I don't know what we're booing about, but I like the energy. This is, this is still like vocally, like I should be singing or something. Can we t- turn it down just a skosh? I feel like I'm screaming in my own face. God bless you guys. Good to see you all. Um, I get to have a little different role this morning. I get to, to give announcements, which is my favorite thing in the world. Uh, and so we've just got, I just got a couple. The first one is that uh, Cedar Way is coming up this week, and this is a quick turnaround. I want to just take a second and explain for some of you what Cedar Way is. What is this thing that we do? So we developed a partnership several years ago with something called the Nourishing Network, which is a part of the foundation. Um, it's an Edmonds School District deal where they they identify kids in the schools that are in need, and what they would do is they would send uh, – food home with them for the weekends because they get free breakfast and free lunch at school, right? So what do they do over the weekend? So they, this foundation uh, identifies kids that are in need and they, in a dignified way, would uh, pack lunches for them and then and food for them for the weekend and send it home with them for the weekend. Can you believe that Edmond School District does that? Like all of the schools do that. So our, our uh, church was a part of that and donating to that and helping them distribute that stuff. Really, really beautiful thing. And they did it, it was really important to them to do it in a dignified way with the kids so that these kids weren't feeling isolated. They would kind of slip it to them so that nobody knew, uh, which is just really beautiful. Then a few years ago, they decided, you know what, Those, the whole family's actually in need. And if we could do more to serve the whole family, that would be fantastic. So they started using a few elementary schools where there were uh, particularly a lot of needs. And they would allow the families, when they pick their kids up, to, again, in a very dignified way, what is happening? Is that, it's the mic? It's the Holy Spirit? So they would allow the, the, these families to come in and, uh, at, at these sites, at, at certain elementary schools, and get toiletries and groceries and all kinds of things to help the entire family, okay? And in order to do that, they needed community partners. And so they reached out to find out if Brookview, since we are close to Cedar Way Elementary School, which is one of those sites, if we would be willing to support that by providing a bunch of the different things that they need. And you guys, for several years now, we have done that. I, the number of families that you guys have served is off the charts. Um, and what happened is that pre-COVID, there were only five or six families that really wanted to to kind of, when it started, it started small. But it's now where they've got 30 to 40 families coming uh, every month, and they're being loaded up with stuff to serve their families. It's extraordinary. So Cedar Way is, is our partnership, and you guys provide a huge percentage of what those families are taking with them. Um, that is coming up. So the next pantry that they're having, the next pop-up pantry like that where the families drive through and get stuff is this Tuesday. It's a really quick turnaround because we just did one a couple weeks ago. And if you want information about how to contribute to that, then you just text um, helping to this number, 425-406-3660, and you'll get a list of everything that's needed and how to, how to drop it off. We, uh, we would need it here um, by 10 a.m. this Tuesday. However, if, you could, if you're planning to donate to it, um, please mark that in the, in the space that's provided by this afternoon so that we know that stuff is covered. We have some, uh, some grocery ferries that go out and try to take care of everything that hasn't been taken care of, um, and that's going to happen tonight. So if you know you're going to get something, you don't have to have it, but if you know you're going to take care of something, please, please mark that by tonight. So 
You guys, amazing thing that our church has been able to do, an incredible partnership. They identify the needs, they do the distribution, and, and we, all we have to do is provide the stuff. Um, amazing, amazing thing. Okay, next. Are you kidding me? Did you just feel the purity and the cleanliness coming off of the property? You guys, the, the chairs you're sitting in, just like completely laundered. I mean, Ann Herbig and Jane Davis, and who else was in this room doing that? Wendy Crozier, my gosh. You guys, and then, and then next door, the deep cleaning that went on over there, you would not believe how disgusting you guys are all year long. And then next door, these people came in there with their, you know, like hazmat suits on, and they got in there and they got after it. Amazing. And then cleared out all the brush behind the building, put in some stuff around the playground to get into the shed, uh, just cleaned the snot out of this place. The, did you see the front corner? Did anybody see the front corner? There's boulders out there. You know why? Because at, at the end of our outdoor Christmas service, uh, I think a, a, a driver that was out of control drove up and just smashed the sign and drove through that whole thing, which was really sad. And they didn't stop and say, hey, I'm sorry about that. Can I help with the repairs? Um, so that, that's been on us, and um, so we have a team that, that has worked on that. Rick Bates came out and fixed the sign almost immediately just to, so the sign was up again and all of that. But in order to prevent cars from driving through, because that's not the first time that's happened, we put some boulders in there. Sort of like, you're going to get a high-centered, buddy. <laughs> Jesus loves you. <laughs> so uh, so Shane and and... Uh, and who was with you? Uh, Tim King, right? Went, they went and they went to the boulder store. <laughs> and, and they loaded up the three boulders, uh, which we've dis- decided is for the Trinity. And, and it, you guys, 2,000 pounds for those three boulders. And some people, a bunch of people uh, kind of moved those around and finagled. Do we want it right here or right here? Or right? Let's decide before we So anyway, uh, they did that yesterday. And, and just an amazing day. Uh, just an amazing day with people um, coming together, and I got to connect with some people I haven't seen for a long time, and some people that are newer to Brookview. It was amazing, just an amazing day. So thank you to everybody who served. Um, and also, I know that many of you wanted to be here and couldn't be, and we we felt the spirit so of your support. Um, we didn't at all. What, why weren't you here? Uh, okay. Last thing is, uh, so this morning I'm giving announcements because Annie Bancheo, am I saying that right this time? You know, for years, Jen said Banchow, Banchow or something like that. And then you know, it's, like, it's Italian, you know, it's a Bancheo. So I'm like, that's awesome. And you have the Italian, like the, the mojo, the spirit, uh, the energy, man. So you guys, hold on to your hats and your hair because the energy. I have what? Oh, communication cards? Oh, yeah. You guys, see, this is why I'm not, I don't do announcements. Uh, we have a grounds team that does this more than just the spring clean, and we need more help with that. We would love to have help with that. So um, if you're interested, this is a deal where you'd be on a team. You're rotating like maybe every five or six weeks. You'd be partnered up with somebody and just coming out and doing some mowing and basic maintenance stuff on the outside. Um, if you're interested in that, you don't have to commit. You can find out what it is more, but just you can just text grounds to that same number. Uh, and so we would love to add you to that team. Um, this is something that we used to have like two or three people that were just killing themselves, and now we're trying to have a team of 10, 12, something like that. So 
it's, it's not an overwhelming thing. You're on every five, six weeks. So through the course of the season, you come out maybe four or five times. But please do that. Um, what else you got for me, Brooklyn? Communication card. Fill out your communication card. That's it. Okay, Annie. You guys are just smooth and seamless here. I'm so excited. So this is the third time that Annie has spoken here. And Annie was a part of a women's group online that Jen was a part of years ago. And, um, and she was at a church, pastoring at a church and not available. But now her role is at the district office where she has some availability. So I'm like, how often can you come? Uh, but this is the first time that I've actually been able to be here. So I talked to her this morning. She's like, you're going to be looking at me. I'm like, I'll try to smile. <laughs> Uh, but you guys, I can't wait. So will you, uh, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I just pray for Annie. Um, pray that you would, you would speak to us. I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that we would be sensitive to your spirit and that you would just bless us through her words as she, as she talks scripture to us and she talks life to us and she talks gospel to us. God, move in this place. Move in each of us in a way that's unique and personal. Amen. Beautiful. I got to watch that because um, I, I, I chimed in a little bit in your series on exile and I got to see that and I was like, that is so cool. Brookview, I love being with you guys. If I lived in Seattle, this would be my home church for sure. It's seriously, I know, it's the feelings mutual. I just love you guys and I love being here with you and I love seeing your community and your service and your love for each other. And I know things aren't perfect, I know they're not, but I see that you guys lean in and that you love well. And what is it, the live love, love lived? So good. Everybody's like, love lived, baby. Baby, cool. Um, I heard also that some of you love Jesus more than others. <laughs> And I love that fight. That's so great. Keep at it. Keep at it. Lord, grow our hearts for you. Amen. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then I'll jump in, okay? Um, God, thank you. Thank you for your word, your people, your process, your story. God, thank you for the gospel of Jesus, that we have hope because we have a Savior. Lord, would you give me your words today? Would you help me settle into your Holy Spirit and bring what you and I, that you and I in a partnership have prepared? God, would you um, get me out of the way and trust and relax in you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So yeah, I'm Annie Buncheo. Thank you for that, Jason. I don't know where you went, but oh, there you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's funny. It's a funny name. So it's Buncheo, C-E-U, Cheo. Um, and I am a consecrated woman in ministry with the Alliance Northwest, with the Christian Missionary Alliance. 
That means I'm licensed as a pastor and um, ordained, consecrated. And so that's what, I, I just love that calling and I love that work. I pastored for over 10 years and got to do youth ministry, got to do associate uh, pastor work. And in, during COVID, with the shift of culture, stepped out of my role as a pastor in the local church and just started coaching youth pastors. So I get to work in youth ministry with 150, maybe a little less than that, 140 churches in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Alaska, which is a huge honor. I get to pray for your students. I get to pray for your youth leaders. I get to pray for your youth pastor. I get to hang out with Trevor. It's awesome. I love it. And I get to pray for your students and then their schools. So I'm so, my heart and my, if you've heard me speak here before, I know you've probably heard it. My heart is that the lost students around Brookview would know God's love is, is even available to them because of your church, because of your students that the high school's closest to you, that the school that's benefiting from the love of Jesus in your hearts, that they would know God loves them because of you guys. That is just huge, huge, huge call on my life and my heart. Um, but it's interesting. So I've been really struggling. I don't know if anybody else has. Can I get a what, what? No. <laughs> it's, it's just like weird, right? Post-COVID, all the things going on in the world, the, the, the post-Christian um, you know, exile that we're in that Jason has been outlining for you guys. It's been amazing to, to, to really articulate it and look at it specifically because it is hard. It's a hard, hard time. Things are different. People are different. People are, are feeling isolated and alone. Like mental illness is on the uprise. There's so much struggle and so much strife. Um, we've been, as a district, been looking at Doug Paul's research. He has a 10 church predictions for the next 10 years. And I mean, honestly, it's already happening. Like it's already the things. So uh, the word evangelical is, is, is insulting, you know? Um, morality is just really questioned. Uh, buildings are on the decline. Like churches are losing buildings. Disciple making movement is on the rise, yay. Um, digital, digital platforms for ministry, like we're streaming right now. Everybody's streaming. So. Digital, digital ministry, race and misogyny is a big problem. Evangel, evangelistic explosion. Oh, I love that one. So evangelism, we might be losing the word evangelical, but the evangelistic explosion is happening worldwide. Worldwide, amen, amen, amen. Um, human sexuality is a struggle. Innovation, like uh, things are being innovated at a, such a rapid pace. And that's a really great article just to kind of look at like, where, where the culture is and what kind of exile we're really being called to. Um, he says, Doug Paul says, that the church at large, okay, I want to say a couple things. It has produced some fruit, some good, good, beautiful fruit, but some rotten fruit too, and some seedless fruit. That's what Doug Paul says. I, I think uh, it was really fun to, to, again, like drop in on those two talks that I got to listen to because Jason talked about um, how humanitarian efforts are actually a product of Christian culture. Like, that's Jesus, guys. Like, the world has kind of taken that and adapted that, and that's cool. Like, post-Christian world, like, has something that, that Christianity left a mark on it, and that we can take, like, yes, that was good. 
Uh, I, I want them to know the king of the kingdom, though, right? I want them to know the king. You know why? Because he wants to know them, and he wants to love them, and he wants to heal them. Um, I met a gal. Actually, I was working on this talk at Panera. I was at Panera just praying and reading Daniel, and I met this gal, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working on a, a talk I'm, I get to give to a church. I work for a bunch of churches. And she goes, oh, I, I used to go to a church. You know where this is going. I won't, I won't name what denomination it is, but she had a really, really, really hard experience. And she told me, she's like, so I'm a practicing witch now. And I thought, yeah. I thought, oh, that's what Doug Paul's talking about. Like that, some of our churches and some of our ways, um, maybe some of our stumblings and the way we haven't followed Jesus have, has led to some interesting fruit, right? So we're going to talk about exile, we're going to talk about culture, and we're going to talk about Daniel's prayer. We're going to look at Daniel's prayer in Daniel 9, and then we're going to talk about next steps. Um, exile. Are we going into exile, or have we already been in exile? Yeah, you guys know it, I know, because you... Uh, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to, since you're here. I hadn't listened to Jason preach before. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a phenomenal communicator you guys have. <laughs> I know. I was like, I could listen to him all day. I could disagree with him and listen to him all day. <laughs> Just like so informative, so I love the detail. I love the history of Christendom. I loved it. it was, it's just so neat and so compassionate about the exile that we're called to, about being a part of this host culture that we live in, right? We know that from scripture, that this is not our home, that this is not our home. As soon as Jesus whispered our name, we were called into exile. As soon as we heard Jesus whisper our name, he said, come to me, come to me. This is, I'm the king, this is my kingdom, and it is different than the world, but you're gonna shine your light in the world. You're going to live in, the, in, a, in an exile way in the world in the way that I, that I coach you, in the way that I train you. Isn't that just lovely? But Daniel and his friends, they were dragged into exile. They were, they were literally, I love how God uses the Israelites as just such a beautiful picture of what those things like. The metaphor of exile that, that Jason has been bringing to you guys. Like that idea of like being dragged into exile and then honoring God with that, those interactions, that Daniel and his buddies every minute respectfully responded to really terrible kings, <laughs> respectfully responded to terrible kings, even asking for permission to not eat the food, even, oh, king, live forever. <laughs> like, you know, just the language that Daniel has towards the, the kingdom that has them in exile and captivity, really, yet not violating his love of God, bringing the love of God into that space. It's, it's just so amazing. So you were in exile the minute Jesus whispered your name, and that means that right now, in this cultural context of post-Christian United States of America 2023, nothing changes. Do you get that? Not a thing changes. You live aligned with Christ, shining your light into the world. The world is in chaos around us, and I'm, I'm struggling with this. I already said, like, uh, Ruth Haley Barton says, the best gift anyone can give is, is your transforming self. I am in process with you, and it is hard. 
It is hard to live in the world and exile and go, oh, what are these worldly ways that I maybe can cope? But no, the kingdom of heaven has my true answer. And on my best days, I'm in line with that. And on my worst days, I'm struggling. I'm watching my kids suffer. I'm watching the, the culture of the world have an impact on them that's hard for me. Um, and so, yeah. But, but what, what I'm reminded of in prepping this talk is that exile means that nothing changes, guys. We can take it really lightly. The culture around us, we can take it really lightly. I love this quote by Mekdes Hadis um, in the book A Just Mission. She is an Ethiopian missionary to the United States. Rad. Rad. This is happening. This is, this is, this is the gospel, right? This is what she says. I think it's on the screen. Yes. Um, Daniel, who was exiled and put into a lion's den because of his faith, came out alive, bearing witness of the greatness of God. God has written the stories of faithful believers who obediently left or were forced out of their homes to pursue their God-given calling and by grandiose measures made his name known. These immigrants and refugees followed God through many trials and persecutions, but they remained faithful to his mission. Today, American churches have a growing tension with the immigrant community, much less consider them, them as missionaries. Yet God continues to do his work, excuse me, in the lives of those who have accepted the call to go and reach their hosts, that host culture of the United States of America. So in that quote and in her book, like, I love the idea of identifying with immigrants and refugees. That's who you are. The creative minority of exiles, we identify as refugees and immigrants. That's who we are. That's who we are in this world. So we get to look at the culture and learn our culture as much as, much as we can as an, as an um, objective informational uh, art or palette, okay? Before, I, I, would, I became a believer when I was almost 18 years old, and I thought of culture was as exciting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought of culture as exciting. I thought of it as art. I thought of it as creativity. I thought of it as change. And then as soon as I became an exile in the kingdom of God, a part of the creative minority, I, I was like, oh my gosh, there's such a more beautiful culture of the kingdom of heaven that has love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, not of abuse, neglect, war, uh, hate, uh, rage, revenge, all of that. And so culture, I want to talk about culture for a minute, and probably best for me is in the context of students. And we know this because some of us, if you're my age or older, we're like looking at the finish line, right? Like we're like, we have no, I don't know, like dreams of grandiose change happening in the world because of us. <laughs> I mean, I hope we do a little bit. I mean, I kind of do still. But, but young people, they're excited. They have their whole life ahead of them. They have a grandiose view of things that can change, right? It's so good. I love that, but culture is in a hard space. Um, this is a, just interesting to statistic. Oh, my son, my 21-year-old, you guys met him last time he was here. He's, he's on spring break, so he's not at UW this week. He's back home in Portland. Um, but he was born on 9-11. I don't know if I told you guys that. <clears throat> yeah. So my three children are all in that Gen Z category, and 90%, the APA says, 90% um, of Gen Z which is born between 1997 and 2012, 
experience psychological and physical symptoms due to stress. 87% of them say they experience anxiety and depression. 87%. It makes me teary. And then just to contextualize anxiety, because we throw that word around a lot. Anxiety is this, afraid to fail, anxious about important decisions, and fear of the future. So they have this pressure to figure out what to do with their life. I kind of always thought, like, oh, I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? Like, those of you who are older than these guys, we just kind of were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to go, to, maybe I'm going to go, hopefully I'll go to college. Maybe I'll get a job. I hope, I hope to come, become a wife and a mom. Like, I just knew what I was going to do. I didn't, I didn't ever think, like, there's an 11-year-old in one of our churches who, who reports to his youth pastor that he stays up at night praying for global warming. It's imposing on his sleep that that global warming exists. And so he just, whenever it wakes him up, he just prays to God. Can you imagine the mind of an 11-year-old thinking about global warming? Can you imagine it? I don't want to freak anybody out, but like, it's like a burning earth, right? Like, this is the anxiety (laughs) and stress our culture is walking into. It's really sad. And Alice Freiling says this quote, I love it, we can almost never explain human suffering. It's one of those things, pastors and followers of Jesus, if someone's like, oh, you follow Jesus? Well, then if God is real, then why is there suffering? We can almost never explain human suffering, especially in a way that's at all gratifying to anybody, especially our young people. Suffering exists. We know, especially as the creative minority exiles, we know that God uses suffering, that God brings us through it, and God makes us bigger and stronger, and oh, gosh, it's terrible, but we know that God uses suffering. We, do, we totally do. Not that that makes it, makes it okay. We can't explain it. I, I can't explain it. I need to stop trying right now. <laughs> <clears throat> My buddy, Jaron Oda, he is a youth pastor in Portland. Um, he's a Polynesian youth pastor in Portland. He says... <laughs> that culture is complex, but stupid, (laughs) right? And then he defines stupid, yeah, as a lack of intelligence, dazed and unable to think clearly, no common sense, Uh, versus wisdom. Wisdom is a quality experience that, that produces good judgment and soundness of action in your decisions. It's like knowledge and soundness of action and decisions. But young people are the first to catch on to new ideas, which remember we, we said those new ideas are often stupid. So, they, I mean, they are. I, I'm totally good with stupid ideas. Like, try stupid things and hopefully you'll learn something and gain some wisdom, right? So young people are the first to catch on to new ideas and the first to try new things. That's, what, uh, that's a quote from Nancy Piercy. But Dallas Willard, you guys know, I've got a lot of quotes right now. Dallas Willard, you know, so I got some nods. He says there's four important questions in life. What is reality? Oh my gosh, he wrote this a long time ago. What is reality? Who is well off? What is the good life? And who is a good person? And how do I become that? And can you imagine if you were trying to ask the question right now, for the older people in the room, what is reality? 
If I asked right now a 45-year-old person in the room like myself, what is reality, and then I asked a 20-year-old person in the room, what is reality, we're going to get two very different answers, right? If we ask a 60-year-old person in the room, what is reality, it's going to be even different than the 45-year-old person. What is reality? Answering that question is awkward right now <laughs> in our culture, when we just look at culture. That's why what, what we need to do, what we, what we are called to do in the relationship with Jesus that we have as, as exiles in the creative minority is to live in, in an other space. What is reality? Reality is the kingdom of heaven, you guys. That's real. That is real. It doesn't feel real sometimes. It feels real on the best days. It feels real when we're all together in fellowship, right? It does for me. Um, so students have to wrestle with a lot of things, and we as adults, especially, especially I would say youth pastors or anybody that's caring for students, moms, dads, uncles, aunts, um, anybody helping in students need to wrestle with some things in culture. Again, just like Daniel and his buddies like looked at the culture, they had to learn, they were dragged into the education of the Babylonian culture. They were dragged into it. So can we then immerse ourselves in what our students are, are, are having come at them, right? Um, this is gender identity and sexuality, racial reconciliation, political polarization, addiction, mental health, and trauma. This is like what's coming at our kids. Remember, my kid was born on 9-11. Like, that's crazy. Like the day you're born, this huge, horrible thing happened in your country. Poor guy. Um, I get the privilege of working with Portland Hmong Alliance. They, are, they came to me and asked me, hey, Annie, we have these third culture kids. We have a lot of immigrate, immigrant families, and we do church, we do Jesus, we do, we do our spiritual practices in one way. But our children who are born in America and go to American schools, it's like a different culture. <laughs> so they're like, how do we reach and how do we... How do we keep our children? How do we teach them how to love Jesus in this culture, in this context? And I just love getting to wrestle with them through that. Um, I think that scripture is where we need to go. The hope that we see, um, just this Daniel 4.34, for his, in the middle of just exile, he's lived his whole life there practically. This is what Daniel 4.34 says, for his, God's dominion, is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Because that means there's hope. If you think the church is dying, you are wrong. The kingdom of God will never die. The kingdom of God is the generation to generation has everlasting dominion. It, it will prevail. <laughs> God wins. That's the end of the story. So we don't need to lose hope. We can totally hope and we can totally, oh, there's, a, there's a few things that we're going to get to it that we can do, which is really exciting. But I want to go to Daniel 9 and read Daniel's prayer. If you've been um, going along in this series in exile, you've, you've, you've been talking about Daniel, and it's wild, right? It's a wild ride of dreams and prophecy, and I mean, Daniel's a prophet. And then he comes to Daniel 9, and we get to see how he views confession and repentance and how he views God. Okay, so let's read it together. 
Daniel 9, starting in verse 4, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible just because literally, okay, that's embarrassing. It's because I found a pretty Bible at the bookstore. It was like pink and shimmery. That's over there. Um, and that's why it's Christian Standard Bible. I, I'm, I like words, so I, le- I read the Bible in lots of different uh, translations, but um, that's what I'm reading it from today. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. This is Daniel. Ah, Lord, the great and inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to, in your name to our kings, leaders, ancestors, and all the people of the land. Do you guys hear that? That confession and repentance is, is communal. He's not just talking about his own personal struggles. He's talking about our people, they struggle with sin and disobedience. <laughs> I love Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. These, these words that Daniel prays, are just, they are universal. They are about the Israel, Israelites in exile, but they are, are also just true. It is just, we're, we're human. Since the garden, we've struggled with sin, disobedience, rebellion, thinking we have our own way figured out, thinking we don't need God. We all struggle with that. Again, in verse, well, pick up in verse 7. Lord, righteousness, ah, yes, righteousness belongs to you. But this day, public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and who are far, in all the countries where you have banished them because of the disloyalty that they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us. Our kings, our leaders, and our ancestors, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belongs to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord our God by following his instructions that are set before us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his words that he spoke against us and against our ancestors by bringing us, excuse me, bringing on us a disaster that is so great that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all he has done, but we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand and made your name renowned, as it is this day, we have sinned and we have acted wickedly. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, from your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. (sighs) Feels familiar. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. Make your face shine on the desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. 
Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that bears your name. For we are, this is so important, for we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Amen. I love this prayer. I love this, the toggle you can hear back and forth with Daniel. He's like, we messed up. We do mess up. And, and honestly, our reputation as Jesus followers, not, not Brookview, like the church in America, <laughs> it's, it's been, it is that awkward thing. I, Jason said it in one of his talks, like when someone says, what are you doing this Sunday morning? You're like, I'm going to church because <laughs> like, I love Jesus and I love hi- talking about him and worshiping him and hanging out with people that do. But the world goes, that's silly. That's what the world says. We're, and that didn't used to be. So Daniel is like going back and forth like, okay, we've messed up. We haven't followed your, your abundant compassion. We haven't followed your, your, your ways that are for our benefit. Your ways are for our benefit. The hope that Daniel has in God's compassion and kindness is just so encouraging to me. So I have a couple things. They're not profound truths, really, but they will hopefully be encouragement to us as we live and love and grow in exile as as a creative minority. Um, So Mekdes Haddis also says in her book, there is nowhere you can go that God isn't. That's that's Daniel in, in exile. It's so good. He knows God is there. God is all over that place. He's all over that place, even with Nebuchadnezzar, even with Darius. Oh, my gosh. By the way, that prayer was said right after he, like, walked away from the lion's teeth. <laughs> like, I mean, miracle. Crazy. And other people got chomped, you know? And he, he walked away and was like, oh, cool. Thanks, God. Yeah, right? I, th- I think when you experience God, oh, yes. When you experience God, and, and some of you know this, and some of you are going to know this. When you experience God in that profound, miraculous way, you, all you can do is you can see how broken. You can see your sin and the sin of the world because of God's miraculous love and rescue. Um, so she says, there is nowhere you can go that God isn't. <clears throat> so the truth is, God is with me in this land, in this time, in this culture. God has, the people of Israel are so good at believing in the sovereignty of God. We're not as good as the people of Israel at that. So, so here we, I'm challenging myself too. Like, here we go, let's believe in the sovereignty of God and he put us here in this time, in this place for a purpose. We are here, I mean, we can look at it and go, oh, Lord, deliver us from this time. <laughs> we don't wanna be here, we don't wanna be in exile, we don't wanna be this. Um, but he's here and he put, he put us here together in this time for this season. So my prayer then is, Lord, help me see and experience your presence daily. Even in the midst of my daughter having a struggle and my other child having a struggle, like, Lord, let me see your presence. Let me see little glimpses of your hope and your love in, the, in my beautiful children. The second thing is God is able. He has abundant compassion, which Daniel out, outlines for us so well. The truth is nothing about my sin is too much for God. That's what that abundant compassion means to me. 
It's like nothing about my struggle and my sin is too much for God. And do we know why? Daniel didn't, Daniel knew it. It's so cool when I, when we see followers of God following him without knowing about the sacrifice of Jesus. Like I get chills about that when I read the Old Testament, amazing people who are just on fire for the Lord and don't even know yet that a savior came, you know, that the Messiah came. He knew he had hope in it. So he knew that it was coming. But because of Jesus, that there's been a way made for any of my sin struggle, any of my pain, any of my kids' sin struggles, anything. Jesus has made a way. And I, I always try to say this to youth pastors too, like all we need to do is introduce them to Jesus. You know, like that interview, like they say, just get an interview, just get an interview, just get an interview with Jesus. Just like, I always try to say like, remove the barriers for young people to know God. Remove the barriers. Let's let the church look more inclusive, more loving, more caring. Let the barriers down because we're not interested in behavior management. We're interested in that interview with Jesus. We're interested in God's love, healing and restoring and wooing and caring for kids stuck in anxiety and depression, right? Oh, I got sidetracked. But God is good. He treasures us. The truth is, is that the good news of Jesus still saves lives. It, the king, like we said in Daniel 4, the kingdom is everlasting. The dominion is over all. We do not have to worry about it. It is not going by the wayside because God is God, which is so great. So the prayer is, Lord, show me who to share your love with. Keep me close to you and then take me to who you want me to share your love with. And Lord, my prayer is that I would do that every day. That every single day I would do an act of kindness to a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, some kind of person. Because you know what? I'm hoping they're going to ask me, Annie, why are you doing that nice thing for me? And I will say, because God loves you. That's what I will say. And that's what I do say. Um, so a couple things that we can do because of this. So we talked about exile. We talked about the culture. We talked about Daniel's beautiful confession and view of God. Um, so now I think what I would love to leave you guys with is these four things that we can do as the creative minority in exile in the United States of America 2023 in, in close to Seattle, Washington. I think this is Briar? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I call it Seattle because I'm an out-of-towner. <laughs> um, but these are what we can do. We can know God. We can know ourselves. We can remember the poor, which you guys are already doing so beautifully. And we can pray for the young, okay? Know God, know yourself, remember the poor, and pray for the young. And the way that we know God, and I, I just want to challenge everyone to this, biblical literacy. Not, not read your Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying understand. Understand the story of God in, the, in a biblical way. Look at the components. This is apocalyptic literature, right? Daniel's talking about the end times. The, Gabriel even said that. He's like, this is for later. <laughs> this, so it makes me feel like, oh, good, I don't have to worry about all those monsters and dragons and stuff. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really that, but read Daniel. You'll see. <laughs> but... By biblical literacy is different than just the, the adage of like, I need to read my Bible every day. No, like the love letter that God has left us, immerse yourself in it. If you have never done that before, start with the gospels. Read about Jesus. 
biblical literacy. Wrestle with hard parts of the Bible. Wrestle with hard parts of the Bible. You can email me. You can email Jason. You can email any pastors that you know and be like, why does it say this? And we would love to converse with you about it. And we won't have the answers. For real. We'll have some answers because, yeah, because we think we do. (laughs) But wrestle. Wrestle with the Bible. Because the young people, they are. They might not know it, but they might, they, they're like, wait, what does Paul say about that? Well, what does he do over here? How does that make sense? So wrestle with that. Have biblical literacy. Know yourself, the second thing. Know yourself. I might have talked about this before, the apest. Um, in Ephesians 4, Brooklyn, I, don't, I didn't write it down. Will you put it up there for me? Thank you. Oh, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, Oftentimes, the American church in the last, I don't know, 100 years, we see a lot of pastors and teachers. But there's also apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And you guys all are one of them. You all are. We all are. God needs us all. In this movement of his love for the, for the hurting world, he needs us all. So know your apest. Know it. There's a website that I think we'll have the, that we have the website up that I've probably shared here before, but fivefold ministry. Yeah, that's it. Fivefoldministry.com. You can just click a couple things and it'll tell you. And if you, I know, Jason said it in a talk actually, he's like, there's still prophets. There are still prophets. And if you think, um, if that scares you, you might be one. <laughs> Seriously. Prophets, evangelists, and apostles are so needed in this next wave of what the church is going to look like in this world, okay? So know, know yourself. Know a lot of other things about you, too. Like, let yourself be sanctified with the Holy Spirit. Like, let God convict you. Uh, repentance and confession are just a huge part of following Jesus. It, it might be daily sometimes. It might be weekly sometimes. It's just a part. It's a part of following Jesus, confession and repentance. Um, The third thing, remember the poor, which you already do so beautifully. Thank you for doing that. It it warms my heart. It's why I'm a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, quite honestly. When When I met the Lord and I heard of the CMA and I heard of the good works they do all throughout the world for people who are suffering, oftentimes without even mentioning the name of Jesus, although we always want to mention the name of Jesus, but we don't have to mention the name of Jesus. We can serve and give and love out of the kindness of our hearts because God loves us. So remember the poor. Do that. Have a practice of that. And because the young people, remember, who are trying all the new things, they will see that. They will see your love for each other and your love for the world, and they will be drawn to Jesus because of it, okay? And then pray for the young. And I want to end with that. I want to end with praying for young people in our lives and in our world. And I would just encourage you, um, as we go to prayer, think of a young person. It can, this person can be just under like 25, under 25 years old, and they are a neighbor, they are your child, they are your grandchild, they are a student that you know at school, they are in this room, they are not in this room, it doesn't matter. Um, bring that person to mind and then just go with me in prayer as we just pray how God would have us live in exile as a creative minority for his gospel to be shared for the whole world, to to heal us and redeem us and to heal others and redeem others. Okay, let's pray. 
God, thank you so much. Thank you for young people. God, they need you so badly. They are suffering with anxiety and depression. The world is just weird and wild, and, and you're here. <laughs> oh, that feels so good, God. Thank you for being present. God, would you be with, um, I'm going to choose Jalea. God, would you be with Jalea? as she goes about her day, would she have a sense that there's something bigger in the world for her? Would she know that you exist in some small way? Maybe, if, maybe it's in um, her friends. Maybe it's in creation. Maybe she encounters somebody who loves Jesus. Would she somehow be introduced to the, the, the knowledge that you exist? and that you are crazy about her. God, I just pray for all of us, this family here at Brookview, that we would know you so well, that we would hang out with you, that we would feel invited to get close to you, closer and closer all the time. God, would we feel brave enough to confess and repent our shortcomings, our sins? Would we know that your compassion is abundant that you are right there for it, that you love us through it. Oh, thank you, Lord, because of Jesus, we get to do that. God, would you help us remember the poor? Would you help us serve others every day? Would we do an act of kindness because of your love to anybody in our lives to just bear witness that you're here and that you love them? And then, God, just would you be with the next generation? Would they heal? Would they be restored to you? Would they be on fire for you in a way that changes everything? God, we thank you so much for giving us Sunday, giving us each other, giving us your word. Um, you're really cool, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.